words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. This morning we're talking about redemption plan. Redemption plan. I know we all know about redemption. In fact, Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says, I wanted to write to you about the common salvation which we share, but I also want to remind you to earnestly contend for the faith. Like, salvation is common. So when you talk about redemption, everybody seems to know what redemption is about. Redemption plan. Redemption plan. This is the plan that God had from the ages, and that's why we are gathered here. We are gathered here because there's a plan for redemption. But let's start this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 to 4. I am afraid. Let's read this together. One, two, go church. I'm afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be laid astray from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims a Jesus other than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit than the one you have received, or a different gospel other than the ones you accepted, you put, it, you put up with it way too easily. So this is actually saying that it's not only one gospel, there are many Gospels. There's another Gospel. It's not only one Jesus. There are many Jesuses. That's what the Scripture is saying. And it's also saying there's not only one Spirit. There are many Spirits, which is why God asks us to test every Spirit. One of the signs of the last days, the Bible says in the last days there will be doctrines of devils that we should be careful so we don't give heed to seducing Spirits and doctrines of devils. One of the signs of the last days is deception. Deception. So there will be loads of deception. Deceivers will increase in the earth as we near the last days. So you cannot just say, oh, but he said he's a pastor. That's no more enough. You have to discern. But it was a man of God who gave me that word. That's no more enough. You have to discern what spirit. There was a young girl in the Bible who was telling about Peter and Paul and the preachers and they're saying oh these are the men of God who was who are proclaiming the way of the Lord but she was actually speaking <laughs> truth but not by the spirit of God and after a while Paul on discern that this this young lady was not doing what she was doing by the spirit of God her word was accurate her spirit was wrong. So Paul casted out that spirit. You know, when you hear the message redemption plan, you think that you already know what I'm going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, you don't. You have some idea, but not all of it. There is a word in the heart of God for you. So you better open up your heart to receive this redemption plan in the heart of God. Receive it, receive it this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. That you don't catch a Jesus order than the one which we teach. A different spirit that poisons or a different gospel that fills your heart with lies. And then in the end is not able to present you to God, the kind of person you ought to be. There are many Gospels and not all of them are accurate. 
men know that there is a God. And as a result, men try to make their effort at reaching out to that God. Men know that the call of God may be complicated and difficult. So they try to condition Christianity that is after what they prefer. You know, people take Christianity like buffet. Like last, like two conferences ago, that like two weeks ago when conference I was talking about buffet. People take Christianity like buffet. Oh, righteousness, I like. Holiness, for God, I don't mind. Someone came and met me and said, Pastor Mo, what is wrong with sex between two consenting adults? Why will God stand against it? Like I understand the whole of the Bible, but we are two adults. We decided we want each other. What's wrong? I didn't explain it to him because people ask you questions based on whether they are looking for argument. You have to know what is in the heart of the person who is looking for the conversation. The Bible says be ready always to answer every man who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. If the question is designed to know, to extract knowledge, I'm all for answering. But if the question is for us to start arguing, I know more than you. You know more than me. No, you know more than me. Carry go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't argue. I don't argue. Like, there's another gospel. There's another gospel. So you have to check the gospel. The Bible says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. So it doesn't matter that you're in Christianity for so long. You may have believed a lie. And God wants us to know that there is another gospel. There's another spirit. There's another Christ. Hmm. So, redemption just started from the beginning. The fall, the patriarchs, the law and the prophet. John the Baptist, Jesus and the resurrection. And then the apostles teaching it. And then were translated into a modern era. This is the general structure of what we're going to talk about. In creation... God is the benevolent soul and prime mover. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 told us about how God fashioned all types of creatures. None was like him. And the Bible says that none was like God. So God decided to create a species. You know, we all know this species to be Homo sapien, which scientists say grew from Homo habilis all the way to Homo erectus. Yeah, and we went to the progression of human, human growth in evolution. Now, I don't know everything and I don't debate evolution, but if there was a big bang, can you ask somebody who pressed the button? Ask someone who pressed the button for the big bang. I think there's something in the measure somewhere between faith and science, right? If there was a big bang, who pressed the button? Because the Bible says, in the beginning, God pressed the button. And bang, there was light. That sounds like big bang. <laughs> so what God was creating was not homo habilis, not homo erectus. What God was creating was homo adorans. Say homo adorans. A worshipping creature. An adoring creature. The idea of the creation of man was a homo adorance. 
to reflect his image, his character, and his purpose on earth. And Pastor Chin talk, his message was actually very insightful. You know, I talked about it last Sunday. I'm talking about it again today. He talked about the likeness of God. And he talked about the image of God. The image and the likeness of God. And he says likeness is actually like the form. But image becomes what things that homo adorance took away to do purpose on the earth. So that was creation. But Adam fell to sin. Self-love. Adam loved himself and Eve so much that that self-love led to death. Today, I hear a lot of people saying, you love yourself. The beginning of many fall is self-adoration. Self-love led to death. Now, we're not saying you should hate yourself because the Bible says no man yet hated his own flesh. God curated a plan of redemption in a perfect new testament which he sent to us. And here's the plan. I don't know whether you can see it. Next slide. So I took this off the internet. It's not mine, right? But this is actually how the structure of God's plan looked like. So you have the past, which is the law, Israel's pact with God, and how God works. And you have the present in that time, which was the, like whatever was happening was that men have disloyalty to God, men have disregard for the Torah, and then what happened was oppression and suffering. And then in the future, God gave a promise. And the promise was either if you choose good, it'll be good with you. If you choose bad, this is the structure of the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament structure. And then if you choose good, you'll end up with peace and justice. But there's a promise. So, so you have different kinds of prophets. These are the former prophets, the early prophets, where Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and First and Second Kings. And then the major prophets were Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, right? Then the minor prophets are called the 12. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obed, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. How many of you have read Nahum? <laughs> Don't let the brother meet you in heaven and say, have you read my book? You're like, eh, are you in the Bible? <laughs> That's a joke. Like, you can always miss. At least this one was funny a little bit. People always miss my jokes. <laughs> okay, you guys tried. You laughed this time. Right? So, read Habakkuk. Read Micah. Read some of these books. They are very powerful. Very, very powerful. And Malachi began to speak about the end. Uh, in the, and then you have some other books that are the wailing books, Lamentation, Baruch and the book of Daniel, these are prophetic books as well, the Baruch is in the Catholic Orthodox book, it's not in the main canon of the Bible, so this is an apocryphal book, then you have so this actually created what you, what you call the main messages so the main message of the Old Testament was Israel was the people of God and God was using them as a model nation and God was using Israel to see how he was going to deal with the nations of the earth and God used them to show judgment 
how they behave, when they behave wrong, what will happen to them, when they came back to God, how God restored them, and how God has a plan through all generations to restore Eden. This is a very good this thing, description of the Old Testament. It ended with Malachi, and God said, and I will turn again the hearts of the fathers to the children, and turn the hearts of the children again to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. That was the message, that last message that closed the Old Testament and bang, there was silence and 400 years before Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he brought salvation to all men. The first adopters of the message of Jesus Christ were the early apostles. And the message was, they preached was called the kerygma. So you see the kerygma manifested in, in uh, Acts of the Apostles chapter 6 and Acts of the Apostles chapter 7. Uh, Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, Acts of the Apostles chapter 7. In chapter 2, it was Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. This is exactly his message. God chose Israel. Do you understand? That slide we had before was exactly what he preached. God chose Israel. But Israel resisted God and served bows and killed their prophets. Now, Jesus Christ is the root of David. From the root of David was a savior who lived among us, but we have now killed him. But he rose up from the dead. He's now exalted as Lord and as Christ. So if you repent and you are baptized, you can access the kingdom of God. Their message was simple. It was kerygma. Our God chose our fathers. We came, on, we came on a journey with God. Our fathers failed God, killed the prophets. And when God spoke to them over and over again, they wouldn't hear. And, when, and because they wouldn't hear, God now punished them. And when they repented, they came back to God. But now God has provided in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This was the message they preached. Their message was simple. God has provided what? A Messiah. It wasn't a complex message. The God who chose our fathers has provided a way of escape and everyone who believes will access something called the kingdom of God. Because Jesus came not to preach, not to preach church. Jesus did not come to start a movement. He came to start a revolution. He came to shift something in the hearts of people. And movements have started as a result of this. Amen. So the primary message remains that whether it was Stephen when he was killed, this is what he preached. Whether it was Paul in Antioch, this is what he preached. Whenever the apostles show up, they preach about Jesus Christ. This was the primary message. Say primary message. This is our primary message. Our primary message that salvation has come. That man created in the image and the likeness of God fell. And God is now bent towards man to save man. This is the primary message. But somehow we've added many things to this message. In the next slide, i show you some of the things that we've added. Now we've added taking territories. Now we've added prosperity about wealth and estates, and business, and investment. Now we've added society. 
Now we've added destiny. Your destiny helpers will find you. People will rearrange your plan. Now we've added self-actualization. Like Maslow's hierarchy of need has found its way into the gospel. If you believe in Jesus Christ, self-actualization. Food. What's, what's Maslow's hierarchy of needs? How many of you remember Maslow's? Right. Food, shelter, uh, security. And then at the apex is self-actualization. Right. We've now made the gospel as a purveyor for Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But that's not God's plan. God's original plan was that man lost something. Of course, these are byproducts. These are derivatives. Say derivative. So when you go to refine petroleum, you have, I have some oil and gas people here. I don't want to talk too much. So they will not look at me funny like, okay, that's not how it is. <laughs> Mainly, sometimes you go with the goal in mind to extract some of the lightest fuels, some of the finest fuels like, like jet fuel, like aviation fuel, like premium motor spirit, PMS, or like AGO, which is kerosene. And there, there, there are also dirtier fuels like diesel. And there are other things you can extract like bitumen, like other things that you can extract out of, you know, out of petroleum, out of crude. You understand? But you have to have the primary thing. The primary thing remains. The other things are important, but you have to keep your eye on the primary thing. The main thing that's happened to the gospel today is that we've made this derivative the main thing. And that's exactly what I came here to shift today. That the derivatives shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing should be the main thing. What is the main thing? That man was lost. That man created in the image and the likeness of God fell. That this man, Homo Adorans, lost his place. And God set an agenda to bring man back. To restore worship. To restore awe. To restore his grace. And the man who stands with him in full restoration will receive a power to do other things. The primary message of the gospel it's not that we can be bigger. It's not that we can have more influence. It's not that we can have money and cars and houses and estates. It's not that our society will be necessarily better. It's not that our destiny helpers will meet us. That's not the message of the gospel. That's a derivative. Our message is not self-actualization that will become something in this world. That's not the purpose of our message. The purpose of our message is that man was lost. This man created in the image and the likeness of God could not find his way back to God. And man could not access the realms of God. A man could not enter the kingdom of God. A man could not access this level of life that God has created for all men. 
Oh God, open our eyes that we will see how far we wandered from the gospel. How we replaced the gospel with everything else apart from the main thing. When Jesus came and left, the day Jesus died, we read it in our prayer meeting yesterday. What happened? Peter woke up and said, guys, I go out fishing. Why? Whatever Peter was before he met Jesus Christ remained the same. The Romans were still in charge. The Romans were oppressing Israel. Jesus came and died. The Romans were still oppressing Israel. They were poor fishermen before Jesus came. When he left, they were still poor fishermen. <laughs> it seemed like the whole thing remained the same. And when he died, it was like all a waste. Until the Holy Spirit came. And once the Holy Spirit came, the activator of the heart of God, something began to bubble. And I think that bubbled was a kingdom. Say the kingdom. I can't hear you this morning. Say the kingdom. Oh, or should I change the message? I said, ah, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will give you influence. You'll get cars and cattle and ranches. There's a message I can preach. And this whole place will be boiling. <laughs> The Lord remembers your name. You in the white agbada, the Lord wants to make you a billionaire. There's a message I can preach and this whole place will change upside down. Huh? You are the back. The Lord says, I shall call you. Bring an offering of a million naira and you will see the Lord change your name. Give the Lord something powerful and the Lord will give you something powerful. I, 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 I see influence, influence. Things that pertain to wealth and influence in the city. Men will respect you at the city gates. That's what the church has turned the entire gospel to. Meanwhile, this was about the man who was lost. Homo adorans. Never finding his place back home. Never accessing the courts of heaven. The Bible says young men faint young, strong, beautiful young ladies lack because of the famine of the hearing of the word of God. And the true word of God is no more available in the church. And the church has entered into this merchandise of derivative messages. Think about it. Look, at, look in this place. This is not all the messages you've been hearing. Taking territories. Pursue, overtake and recover all. Prosperity. Your band shall be full. You know, Jesus is coming to take over 2023. What if Jesus doesn't take over 2023? What if he doesn't? What if Jesus said, you guys love B80 too much, you can have him. What if Jesus doesn't, what if Jesus just allows these people to fight themselves and break bottles and, and steal ballot boxes? What if? Guess what God is calling for? Transformed men. Say transformation. Say it. I can't hear you. Say transformed men. Transformation. It's transformed men who will sit in government and nothing will move them. 
It's men who don't think too much about themselves that will stay. And that's why I disgrace myself. That's why I dress like a tout sometimes so that you, I will not have that esteem from men. I will not have that esteem from people. I will not be the senior pastor, the man of God. No. Like, how about being a boy of God? How about being a child of God? Transform men. Men who nothing gets into their head. Men who estates and empires because they are conquered from within. Conquered from within. Men who have conquered their desires and tamed their lust. These are the men who can stand in the realms of power and be unshaken by attractions. Meanwhile, the church is trying to offer people roses and candy-tinted things. These things have no power. So we are running after the things that are derivative and we leave the main thing. God's redemption plan is to turn our eyes. Ah, turn your eyes. They keep the main thing, the main thing. Luke chapter 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Let's read this together. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Say, I'm pressing in. Oh, I didn't hear you the guys this morning. Say, I'm pressing in. See, I'm pressing to the kingdom. Lift up your hands and say, I will be in that kingdom. My heart will be changed. My spirit will be transformed. I am not of them who waste in perdition. I am of those who draw near by faith. Say, I draw near by faith into the presence of God, into the heart of the living God. My heart is sold out. Say, sold out, sold out, I'm sold out. Transformed men can change the city. Men who are changed from within can transform nations. I have a book I released last year called Collide. In that place, I talked about transformation, the closing chapter. I said revolutions are weak because revolutions assume that the founders are pure. What are the biggest revolutions we've seen in the world? The Bolshevik Revolution, which led by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. These two guys led the entire Russia to kill all the Tsars. They executed all the Tsars in Russia. And then this proceed to create a society which they call the perfect socialist society where everybody will have all their needs met equally. But it was only a matter of time before this class of people who killed the Tsars became the new bourgeoisie. How many of you remember bourgeoisie from uni? They were the bourgeoisies. And then everybody else became proliterate. So they, all animals are equal, but some animals were more equal than others. Judge Orwell, Animal Farm. Right? After a while, 
these people who were puritanicals became corrupted because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What's the other revolution we know? Any other revolution? Ghana, Jerry Rollins, he came one day and shot all the generals in the army and wiped out a whole level of leadership. And then he became the new leader of Ghana. It was debatable that he transformed Ghana. He did some good work. But eventually, what did Jerry Rollins become accused of? Corruption. The same corruption over which he killed other people. Revolutions are lies. They are farces. They don't work. Because they assume the purity of the founders. Guess what works? Transformation. The Bible says, he who conquers himself is greater than he who takes a city. Guess what works? Transformation. From within, men are shifted. Men who are shifted from inside can change the world. Say, I can change the world. Because I'm changed from within. From the time of the kingdom of God, the, from the time of John the Baptist, a new kingdom began to be preached. And people started pressing into it. People started saying, I belong to the kingdom. I elect to be part of that kingdom. Amen. Amen. So let's say this was the journey of redemption, right? From the time of Adam and Eve, let's say this was grace and the law. So the grace and the law were until the prophets. But at the time of Jesus Christ, what you have, no, the, the law and the prophets were here. And what you have from the time of Christ was more grace the grace of God. But in the modern church, what we're supposed to have is supposed to be law, grace, prophets. Law, grace, law, prophets, grace. We're supposed to have it all together. Why? We're standing at the apex of everything. God, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So we are supposed to know what the essence of the law is. Not just, to, not just to wipe out grace, but to actually desire. Not just to hold on to grace and wipe out the law. And not just to wipe out that power of the prophetic ability to discern what the heart of God is. So the modern church is supposed to be the church of completion. This is where everything is supposed to come together. For we do not preach ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Let's read this together. One, two, go. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ the light of the glory of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. The message of the kingdom is the message of Christ. Look up to Christ and homo adorance will be restored. Amen. Amen. So, it means then that the assignment of God for us is to wear this message of reconciliation is to wear this message of restoration. So John chapter 3, verse 
17. John 3, 17. Can someone read it for me? Don't go out to the slide. Let's open that in your Bible. John 3, 17. I want to bring out some three quick points. John 3, 17. Has anyone found it? Can you read for us? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the essence of Jesus' coming was not condemnation. So if you're hearing condemnation out of anything I'm saying, that's not the point. Is that salvation can happen. Is that homo adorance can be restored. Is that that place inside of you that worships will be brought back. And why is that important to God? This is actually what many people forget and then lose their power of gratitude. Once you forget how to worship, the next thing that will happen is that you will lose the ability to be grateful. Once you forget what Jesus did for you, then all of a sudden you will be thinking you are doing life by your own power. And many of us guys were guilty of this. Men hustle so much. My brothers, we hustle too much. We don't acknowledge the grace of God. We're just trying. As guys, we don't want to talk. We just want to solve problems. You know, just solve problems. As men, many times we don't talk. Whatever we believe is deep inside. We just try to solve problems. And as a result, we feel condemned every time we hear the word of God. But that's not the idea in the heart of God. The idea in the heart of God is to bring us back to himself, to see that he will redeem and change us from within. And as we feel change from within, then life will begin to make sense. Then as we go back to work, work will become meaningful. Work without understanding the essence of humanity is wasted work. Work without understanding the essence of why God sent us here is wasted. So you finish gathering, you know, you finish gathering everything and you make so much money and you've conquered everything and you're now standing at the top, then what? Solomon said, let me save you the trip. Vanity of vanity. Everything is vanity. It's vanity. You wake up in the morning. You walk until night. You, you eat nothing. You just wait. You're just compiling this wealth. By the time you are 50, one bone in your back will just crack. By the time you are 60, one in your leg will just go. <laughs> And Solomon said that as wealth increases, the people who eat it will increase. That is all vexation of spirit. So, guess why you are here? To become homo adorans. Say that to someone. Guess why we're here. This is the time you preach to someone. Look for someone. Say, my brother, I want to preach to you. Ah, speak to someone. Please, everyone speak to someone. Look for someone to speak to. Say, my brother, I just want to preach to you. Do you know why we're here? God wants to change us to become homo adorans. Not homo sapiens, not homo erectus, not homo habilis, homo adorans. Homo adorans, the worshiping man, the creature bowed down, the man whose heart is changed, 
the one whose soul is transformed, the one who walks the earth with a different DNA, the one who carries the spirit that Christ came to release upon the earth. You know, Christ did not just come to start a movement, a church or something. He came to release the spirit upon the earth. And he says, tarry and wait until my transformation happens. When he, the spirit of power has come, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will look inside of you. He will give you something that the world doesn't have. It's like a holy virus. It's like something will carry that, 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 that changes the way we look at life. That changes the way we hustle. That changes the way we look for business. It will carry something. Say, I carry something. Oh, some of you don't believe it. Say, I carry something. It's like a holy thing. A holy thing is on the inside of you. That is what Jesus came to release. It's called the kingdom of God. That with your eyes, you can see something. That with your heart, you can feel something. And you can know that God is for you. This is not about praying every day at 6 a.m. This is not about praying every night. This is not about saying 20 Hail Marys. It's not about saying all these kind of religious things. It's not about uh, what God cannot do does not exist. It's not about all these kind of prayers. It's not about a, a routine. No, it's not. It's not. That's not what Jesus came to release. He came to release the Spirit of God that transforms men. He came to release something on the inside of us that we cannot be the same again he came to give us something more and anyone who gets this thing is pressing into the kingdom this is from the days of john the baptist the kingdom of heaven is being preached oh the kingdom of god is being preached and men are pressing in pressing in means that it takes some effort for you to recalibrate your mind. Pressing it means that it will change some reconfiguration on the inside for you to agree. Pressing it means that you have to push. Men are pressing into the kingdom. You know we come to God and say, God, do it in me. God says, no, pressing, come in, allow. Most of our coming in is to what? Allow. Because the word of God is coming, but we don't allow. Because we have ideas, we have preconceived notions, we have perspectives, we have paradigms, we have idiosyncrasies, we have viewing points. And all of these things inhibit us from coming in. Pressing, pressing, say pressing. Why are we pressing in? Because there is joy in heaven over one person who comes back. Look at this scripture. It's Luke chapter 15 verse 7. I say to you likewise that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So, I know we should celebrate with those who need to celebrate. Yesterday, or day before yesterday, we were celebrating two of our sisters. Wimbies had to recognize them like, man, Ecclesia Hills is too much. Back to back, one next to each other. They were, they were doing great things. Doing great things. It's such an honor to see like the world identifying the people of God and seeing that they are doing stuff, right? But much more than that. Say much more than that. You know what brings joy in heaven? Do you know what makes a party to begin in heaven? When someone turns to the Lord. Hey, when one sinner turns to the Lord, the whole of heaven begins to party. When someone who did not know God before, when someone who was set in their own ways, changes their hearts to the Lord, the heavens throw a party. This is heaven's value system. 
This is what makes God happy. This is what makes His blood boil. That one person will turn back to the Lord. That one person who was broken, one person who was lost, one more soul in hell will turn back to Christ. Do you know, God asked me to start a prayer group. Guess what the prayer group is, is called? Jesus Partners. The people who hold Jesus' hand and say, Jesus, we are standing at the gates of hell. And everyone who is going to hell will tell them, turn back. You're not coming to hell. Turn back. You're not going to hell. Turn back. We're not going to hell. And we stand every night to make intercession. And we say, Lord, all the souls in the world belong to you. All eight billion men, you created them. None of them belongs to the devil. We stand in the gap for all the souls in the earth. Let them turn back to the Christ. We pray for Muslim nations that Jesus will appear to them. We pray for Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. We declare that the Jesus of Nazareth will appear to them in the night while they sleep. We open the door of the revolution of the gospel into territories it's never been before. This is what God is looking for. Partners. Partners, we've made our agenda the main thing and we make God's work secondary. Every time you are weak, guess the first thing you abandon? Worship. Every time you are tired, guess the first thing you abandon? Worship. Guess what you continue to do? Work. So which is more important to you? Let's be honest. Which is more important to you? Where are the people who drag their sick selves to church and say, Lord, I'd rather die worshiping you. In my brokenness, I cry out to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will cry out to you. I'm pressing into the kingdom. I'm pressing into divine life. There's joy in heaven. So if there's joy in heaven over one sinner, why is there no joy on earth? over people giving their lives because our hearts and our taste board has shifted to the wrong things we are on Maslow's hierarchy of needs we are not on God's priority list hallelujah Jesus introduced an idea he sent them to preach the kingdom of God Luke chapter 9 verse 2 and to heal the sick. And he said, take nothing for your journey. Don't take staff. Don't take bag. Don't take bread. Don't take money. Carry only one dress. This is not actually to say that you shouldn't have things. But at some places where you're going, eh, those things are impediments. The things you're carrying along are obstacles. Carry nothing. Guess what you carry? Authority, kingdom power. Carry the kingdom on the inside of you. Amen. This was the idea he came to introduce. And this redemption sometimes may come at the cost of death. In the case of Stephen, Stephen did undeniable miracles. Everybody knew he was a miracle worker. Any, any person who was preaching at that time became a target 
How many of you read about Nero in AD 46? He wiped out all the Christians. He was make he said that Christianity that the part of Jerusalem burnt and he wanted to wipe Christianity out, so he accused the Christians of being the ones responsible for the burning of Jerusalem. And then he started killing them. That doesn't look like the redemption we are preaching today. When men died for the gospel. Do you guys understand? It doesn't look like the message we are preaching today. Because if everything is about God blessing you, then what happened to the missionaries who died bringing the gospel to Africa? What happened to them? What happened to the people who never grew up to become old? What happened to the people who left like Hudson Taylor, left contemporary England and went to China? As Hudson Taylor went to China, he lost everything. He preached for, I can't remember how many years, the first time he went, 18 years, something like that. He didn't lead one soul to Christ. Like, can you preach for 18 years and you don't get, even five, and not get one convert? No one person, you say, lift up your hand, the person say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, no one. He went back to England, broken, cried out, and gave up on the missionary journey. God came and tapped him. And all this while he's been praying while he was in China, God didn't answer him. He went back to England, packed up and tried to rebuild his farm. God went and tapped him one day and said, Hudson, what are you doing here? Sometimes those questions by God is not, for, it's not fair. And Hudson Taylor went back to China. At the end of his ministry, it was recorded that he brought Christianity to mainland China. Over 200 million people gave their lives to Christ because of Hudson Taylor. In his life, there was over 100,000 conversions in his meetings. But first of all, he went for 10 years without results. But he knew that this was God. This is what God has asked him to do. What are the obstacles before you today in pushing this redemption agenda? Many things are important, but only one thing is necessary. Saul was a man who incited Pharisees and the crowds to reject Jesus. How did Saul end up? He became the preacher of the gospel. Whenever the kingdom is preached, it cuts men to the hearts. If you will admit your heart was burning when I was talking about the kingdom of God, the true kingdom of God, but you ask, this man came and met the apostle and said, Sir, what must we do to be saved? As we round up, this is the agenda in the heart of God. It's the agenda of redemption retracting. It's the agenda of taking your entire life and measuring it by redemption. How much redemption is there in your life how much redemption is there in your work this is not to say you should stop working and stop and make people all of us become pastors don't forget that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying that you need transformation first before you can go into your work 
So you need to create what I call a redemption quadrant. Please go forward, two, two slides forward. Yes, you need to create what I call a redemption quadrant. Say redemption quadrant. Let's say this was a distribution of how you use your time. Teenagers, can you see here? What's here? Teenagers, what can you see here? Any teenager here? Can you see what is the biggest? And how much time do you spend with your family? How much time do you spend in your work? Does this look like anybody's life? No, most people's, this vocation is like this. Work is half their life. Do you guys understand? In redemption, in the redemption quadrant, your life must reflect that you understand what the redemption plan is. This is actually how to rebalance your life. Sometimes I speak in graphs and images to help you see that actually your priority is not God or redemption. You have other priorities. Priorities is qualified in time. If you have 24 hours in a day, how much you use in each of these elements says whether redemption is your priority. So honestly, guys, ask yourself, this is actually just an unrealistic quadrant for anyone, but apart from media, which some people, media takes like half their day. If you spend six hours on Instagram a day, and it's possible because the scroll never ends, so much content, so much. Redeem the time. Redemption plan of God is not about Christ redeeming anymore. It's actually about us who are redeemed, redeeming the world. So that brings me to the final slide. Let's read this together. One, two, go. That God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The redemption plan is not that Jesus did what he did anymore. It's that Jesus did what he did and gave you an assignment. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God's new redemption plan is that when we give our lives to Christ, we will become redeemers. But how can you redeem if you're not real, if you're not genuine, if you're not transformed? That's why transformation is very important. Because only transformed people can transform other people. Do you understand? When Jesus came, he came to reconcile the world to God. God was the one activating the reconciliation of the world through Christ. But then God did not finish the assignment there. Who did he hand it over to? Say me. This is God's redemption plan. You are God's redemption plan. That's why I say you didn't know where I was going. 
Now you know. Say, I am God's redemption plan. And because you're here, nobody in your world will need to go to hell. But you can't do it except you know this God personally. Except you carry Him. Except the weight of His Word fills your spirit. Except your heart burns. How can you carry and share someone you don't believe in? How can you represent someone that you're not 100% with? How can you be a voice for someone that you don't 100% agree with? So that's why God calls us into redemption. Say redemption. Say redemption. So this is the final time when you're going to preach to someone. Look for someone else. Stand up from your seat. Go and find somebody you want to preach to. Church, obey the pastor. <laughs> find someone you're going to preach to. Hold your hand and look in their eye. And say to them, my brother, today I appoint you as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You are a redeemer. Don't say, I don't know what to say. Train yourself. Apply yourself. Say, press in, press in. Shake them. Shake them and say, press in, press in. Press into the kingdom. Receive life. Receive strength. Receive authority to stand and carry the message of reconciliation. Because God is reconciling the world to himself through you. Say through you. Touch them. Say through you. God is reconciling the world to himself. Hallelujah. This is the redemption plan that men will not be lost anymore because we're here. That because we're here, because the church of God is here, people everywhere will know the message. That this word of power will come. And this message of reconciliation will flow in our offices, in our work, in our lives, in our families. We will carry what Jesus carried. We will represent God like Jesus represented God. Because we are the reconcilers. The Bible says redeemers will go forth from Mount Zion. You are God's redemption agency. You are God's Redeemer. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.